The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. How do, how do I do this? I, it's been a while. I forgot how I do this. Jeremy, I, I've heard you do this. Uh, hi, guys. I'm new to this. Uh, you know what? We'll just take it from the top. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. PrideofDetroit.com. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Uh, do not adjust your dials. No one has dials anymore. Why am I even saying that? Uh, yes, no, I'm back. I'm Chris Perfett. Your adequate host is back from uh, exile for now. Uh I don't even do, know why you're I'm doing talking. great, sweetie. I, I don't. I don't even know why I'm talking right now. I'm. <laughs> I'm being overwhelmed by emotion because uh, this is a big show, and that voice right there is Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, who's been never wore off that interim tag, and I really have to thank him for that because I always wanted to come back for this. I don't know how I'm back. California law doesn't really allow me to be back. Like I, I'm. I'm Frosty the Snowman right now. We're, we're smuggling you in. I'm Frosty the Snowman right now. I melt away by the end of Christmas Eve. So let's let's make this work, folks. Um, Jeremy Reisman's, Reisman at Detroit Online, the fearless leader of Pride of Detroit, the guy who's been doing a lot more work than I ever will or will ever in my life. Oh, and can I do this? Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore P-O-D, who uh, is surviving, and I'm glad to see he's alive. Hello, Ryan. Uh- I'm so happy to see you until you become just a couple pieces of charcoal and a and a and a carrot. <laughs> it's, it's it's so hot in California right now. It's so hot. <laughs> I might melt before then. And now joining us, I can't believe this. Uh, I'm gonna put all my ego aside though because we have probably one of my favorite people covering the Lions here right now. And I I, I mean that sincerely. I I love watching what this guy does. I love finding his voice and. I'm happy to be doing another podcast with him because uh, as soon as I, Jeremy told me, it's like, hey, we're getting the Michael Rothstein back. I'm like, all right, I got to come. I got to be here for it. Michael Rothstein from ESPN. How are you doing? Uh, that, that might be the kindest intro I've ever gotten ever. Which maybe I think that might say more about me than you. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to lie, though, other than the Kermit the Frog voice that I just did uh, for no apparent reason. I'm just picturing you just melting to sticks 
Like, I don't care about the charcoal, the carrot. Like, your arms and sticks, it's not going to go so well, man. Like, I, 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 I've turned the AC off for the recording, and it's been five minutes, and I'm already turning red. It is 105 right now. To be honest, that's good on you because I have a friend in California I follow on Instagram. And as we were getting ready for the show, I was just scrolling through because what else am I going to do? And she posted something, I guess, that Southern California Edison sent out that said, hey, from the hours of 3 to 10 p.m., which this now is in my world and in your world, please keep your air conditioner at least 78 degrees. So you're doing even better by helping the environment. Good job, Chris Perfett. I just turned off from like a constant 68 for the last nine hours. I mean, my air conditioner isn't even on, but I'm also like weird like that. I like run Mm -hmm. my fans. I also don't have central air, so I'm, I'm, I'm broke. Like, I don't know. Anyway, so this is the Pride the of Air Detroit Conditioning too. Podcast. <laughs> air Conditioning from Pride Brought of Detroit. Brought you by Carrier. Brought Look, to you man, by HVAC. The, the Earth's going to cook into a into a into a, uh, just a baked plantain one of these days, so we might as well talk about it while we can. But anyway, before we turn into the Global Warming Podcast, let's get to the Lions. Because, uh, Jeremy, I know you're excited. This is like Christmas for you. Because yes. training camp has started, and you're not allowed to go. I'm I'm going tomorrow, Christopher. How okay. dare you? Uh, but I was not allowed to go in day one, which is why Mike is here because he was there and is is going to give us all of the background information on on what happened. Is isn't that right, Mike? Sure, We're, we can we can call it that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, I'll admit, and Jeremy will tell you, I'm usually the exact opposite because the start of training camp to me is the end of. Uh, the end of my freedom. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> the end of my ability to go like travel across the world, which you couldn't do this year due to COVID or, or golf or, or really anything. And you're working 10 to 14 hour days. Yeah. Uh, so this year was different because I was actually like really. It was kind of cool to be there. It was kind of exciting. It was. It was weird. More yeah. than I, I would say, like that, if you asked me to like, you know, Sesame Street word of the day what this was it was just weird because you're back you're watching practice but there are no fans so it's kind of like the the end of right around this time anyway this year where fans are told you're not allowed to watch practice anymore but the media can still watch for like another week or so so it kind of felt like that except for the fact that you didn't see these guys in the spring you didn't see these guys for two weeks so i'm trying to take notes and i'm looking at like the roster and I'm like, I don't know who these guys are. And, and, and I'm watching them on the field. And I'm like, I I don't I, I don't know who this is. And, and guys who have longer hair, you can't see their numbers and you don't know their hairstyle yet. So you yeah. can't tell. So I mean, I they're my my notes are like not we're not awesome in some <laughs> position groups today because I just don't like DB's defensive linemen right now are kind of like I don't there are too many new guys new faces yeah. that you're like okay sure uh who's Daryl Roberts who's Tony McRae who's this and that and you're just writing down numbers and you're looking it up after yeah All right, we're burying we're burying the lead here though I want to know Mike what was it like getting sandblasted with sanitizer before you could even step f- f- anywhere near Allen Park I mean so I've been cool with the sanitizer since like March I found this really <laughs> nice sanitizer at the supermarket I go to that does not smell terrible they make you uh, go through like, like the 
they make you go through the metal detector with a sanitizer? No, there's no, no, there's no there's, there actually is no, <laughs> they don't sanitize you. So the way it works for the media who are, I'm, I'm called quote unquote 2M, which is basically if they practice inside, I can go inside because I'm getting tested for COVID every day. Basically like players and coaches and all that. So I like on Wednesday, they're off. I still have to drive to Allen Park to get the 90 second swab up my nose. Um, really that's the only difference other than if they go inside, I can go where I others cannot because they're in a group called three OA. So what that's happens me. is, which basically what happens is for me is I get there at like 10 ish. I have to, I get a little connects on like, it, it looks like a, like a domino chip basically, but it's a, it has a, like a red blinking light. If you go too close to someone else, it's a sensor that ma- measures how far you are from someone else and how long you're in that range. And if you end up being next to someone who has a three OA sensor, like some of the Lions media relations staff, if you're close to them for too long, their sensor will go off and beep really, really loudly. So really loud. this is the arrested development, no touching sensor. I mean, yeah, no, you're not touching. I, I no, I mean, the only, <laughs> no, I, yeah, there's no, the only thing I touched today was a bleacher. I, no handshaking, no fist bumping, no elbow. No bumping, no, yeah. So you walk back and you walk around the side of the facility and they have a giant trailer, kind of like a golf trailer or like a corporate trailer that you can imagine uh, from basically any construction movie or any construction site. You walk in, you give them your name, you get a little piece of paper, they go, they stick the thing up your nose and then you walk out, you're done in 90 seconds and then you can go to practice. And every morning, the next morning, you have in your mailbox a email from the company that does this saying either you are, I haven't, I don't know what it does actually, if you test positive because I've tested negative thankfully every day so far, but it's a little, you open it up, there's a little green light and you are clear to go on another day of practice and you have to fill out a questionnaire before you leave your house after you take your temperature that basically says, I have not come in contact with anyone who has COVID. I have not left the country in the last 14 days, which, you know, unfortunately I can't do, which I would like to do, but, you know, work <laughs> plus law. Um, and uh, yeah, it just basically asks if you had any symptoms and stuff like that. And you fill it out and answer all the questions correctly. It says you're clear to then come to the facility and take your test. That is the only difference between Jeremy and I when it comes to what we will see on a day-to-day basis between now and at least August 31st. So we're not violating Jeremy's nose is what we're saying. Not yet, at least. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. I I just, I just, I, I know we got to get to Lions. I'm just fascinated by this because I think it's been a big question for a lot of fans. Like, how is the NFL going to handle this without a bubble? And we had the funny story of Kamas Siverend from the Seahawks over (laughs) last week trying to smuggle a woman into the hotel and the the kid gets cut. What? What player is five foot one? (laughs) <laughs> right. that, 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 that among, uh, among everything in that that's my question yeah i mean like i put one i'm because five if, six if, I, if, if 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 the woman was five ten five eleven like maybe on a small 
like kicker, punter, like something, right? We just don't know. But like five one, find me an NFL player who's five one, and I'll find you someone who's not an NFL player. Yeah, like, like, I'm, I'm like five six, maybe five seven, generously, and like I have a picture of me next to Reggie Bush, and he's still ta- he's still got at least a head over me. Like these guys are still damn tall. <laughs> no, but, and Reggie's you know, not. Reggie's not a big dude. Like Reggie's not a yeah. tall dude. Like I mean, I covered Reggie, and I'm five. 10 and a half, five eleven, somewhere in there. And I mean, I was probably a, a head taller or like half a head taller than Reggie. Uh, and yeah, I mean, but Reggie is like Re- Reggie's cut dude now. Yeah. But it shows that like the NFL is taking this seriously. They don't want a situation where it's like the, the Marlins where it's like, Hey, we're going out for coffee or something. And suddenly there's a bunch of COVID tests coming back. And I mean, it's true for the media too. They want to have the media relation with, you know, and have these guys, you know, at least giving some sort of quotes, maybe doing the weird boom mic thing the NBA is doing even, but it's, it's something that has to be taken seriously. It really does. Cause I think the, the margin for error for a non-bubble is already pretty thin. And for an NFL season where it's only 16 games per team and not 60, that's even thinner. So Right, absolutely. And the, well, the thing is, so the, at least the Lions are doing everything virtually for now and for the foreseeable future. And personally, I'll be shocked if I see the inside of mm-hmm. the building for anything other than potentially a, a practice, if there's rain or late season snow or something like that. Uh at any point this year that that's just my gut feeling but yeah they they are taking it seriously and i think you've seen that too sure it's training camps so you can be locked down a little more you're in the facility a lot more but you're seeing it in how many positive covid tests have we seen since that first run of covid tests i'm talking league wide that when guys are first reporting for camp what 10 i mean i think i there's what 12 like there's less than two dozen guys league-wide on the COVID-19 reserve list right now that's not bad now as padded practices are starting maybe that changes I think the bigger concern is games once guys travel travel. or they're doing a really good job if some players start to get a little bit more lax and then also you have to look at states and what's going on there. Like Michigan, for example, right now it's not really spiking here. Well, in a month and a half, when it maybe gets a little colder and if it does come back and spike a little bit, what does that mean? So that's, I think that's going to be a constant moving target that, you know, every player and coach I've talked to is pretty realistic with it in that they know COVID's going to happen. They know COVID's going to strike some team, some group of players, they just hope it's not them, but they also realize they can be as diligent as possible and still have issues, whether it's a false positive like what happened to Matthew Stafford or guys who ha- who run into it because that's just the nature of life and uh, right now in the COVID world. Yeah, and and I think the fact that a lot of players are asymptomatic, we, we heard TJ Hawkinson talk about it today and how it was a complete surprise to him that he tested positive. Um, wouldn't be surprised to have that come up with uh, with any sort of NFL player throughout this season. Uh, but I, I do want to switch kind of gears here and, and talk about day one of training camp because I know um, since we've all waited all this time to hear any sort of Lions news, we want to take we want to basically rip all the meat off the bone here, even if it was just... 90 minutes of practice. So 
my first question, and it, it's kind of an interesting one because uh, we heard Matt Patricia talk about the the balance that they have to kind of strike. Like regular season's less than four weeks away, but you don't want to rush into major contact and risk injury. So um, based on your observations of day one, where are they in that process? Did they kind of like go high intensity right away with the first padded practice? Or was this a little bit more subdued than you, you would normally see on day one of training camp? Uh, I thought the pace was pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. They actually went under an hour and a half. I think they went like an hour 15, uh, something like that. Although when the media was ushered out, there was still a little bit of practice going on. So I think maybe there was a, a false start to the end of practice. But I, I thought the pace was good. Uh, there wasn't a lot of hitting. There wasn't much big collisions. The The biggest thing I noticed was – I think it was Danny Shelton and Jonah Jackson, the, the rookie from Ohio State slash Rutgers. Um, they, they definitely had a couple contact in, incidences and Jonah Jackson, they both fell to the ground. And that's obviously not something you want to see from big guys on day one. But I thought it was, it was a good paced practice. To me, it didn't, And I'm sure other reporters probably feel differently. I didn't think it was that different other than the time of it than a normal practice I would have watched around this time of training camp. Now, I think they're they're going to increase time each day because they can increase by 15 minutes every day. But I think they'll increase the intensity too. And Matt Patricia, like you said, was talking about it where you don't want to go too hard too early because you don't want to hurt guys. And and we saw Gerald McCoy got hurt today. He's out for the year that in Dallas and I, but you don't want to hit too close to the regular season. So I think that like next week, that's my guess is going to be that hitting that big hitting week, maybe next week into like a few days, maybe if we're not allowed to watch practice anymore, because that, that cutoff hasn't been determined yet uh, where maybe they'll have a couple days without the media there for the whole practice. And then I think probably like 10 days before the start of the season, certainly three or four days before cuts, you're probably going to dial back and back off from, yeah. from hitting every day and kind of go from there. It, it, it's going to be an interesting dynamic and an interesting balance. Just one of the many, many things that teams around the NFL have to figure out and think about that they're not really used to. And I think we all know that the NFL coaches are not always the most adaptable sort. And I think that this is going to be really challenging for them. And I think the coaches that can adapt best are going to be the ones that really – maybe thrive in this atmosphere. And it's going to be really intriguing and really interesting to see how that goes. I wonder, I do wonder if that will favor younger head coaches who haven't been as set in their ways for as long, but that's just a pure hypothesis and speculation. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. I, I, I think the big story I've seen kind of 
when people kind of doing the Kremlinology on training camp, which is always something I'm, I'm always kind of a little interested in when we're just, you know, taking, taking where guys are being placed in the chairs of, of first team and second team. We did see Jeff Okuda with the second team, which I, it seems to have caused some people to raise their eyebrows, but I mean, it's just not, we're just not putting the first right. rounders feet to the fire right now. Right. I mean, it's day one. The guy had no spring. He's learning the toughest position on the defense. And by the way, he still went up against Kenny Galladay in one-on-one individuals. So he's still learning. It's not like he's going up against Victor Bold in every rep of every practice. (laughs) Uh, And Victor Bold, by the way, had a great catch today. But that's neither here nor there. Um, Jeff Okuda, I'm not – I said it on my own podcast. It's coming out tomorrow. So a little sneak preview. um, That – if t- if 10 days from now, Jeff Okuda is still kind of on the second team fully, that means one of two things. Either they're going to take him really slowly or Omani Awarie is playing really, really well. And I think that Omani Awarie could play really well and it might not matter. I It would not shock me if you see both Awarie and Okuda in week one, even week two, play some like it wouldn't seem surprising if Okuda didn't get every corner snap in week really the first quarter of the season because you look at uh this I'm jumping ahead a little bit right but you look at the receivers he might face in the first quarter of the, se- of the season depending whether they decide to travel Desmond Trufant or not if they don't he could see Allen Robinson Devontae Adams DeAndre Hopkins Michael Thomas well good luck like seriously i mean and if i'm an opposing offensive coordinator i am working to try and match that up as much as possible because i want to challenge the the young guy versus the guy who was a pro bowler so i'm not worried that's a long answer for saying i'm not worried yet about jeff okuda i thought he at points looked really good he didn't look out of place um, he, except from one rep against Kenny Galladay, that was very much, I think, a welcome to camp moment. Kenny Galladay basically corkscrewed him. To be and fair, that, that, that'll that happen when you go up against Kenny Galladay when you're for, a rookie. Absolutely. And, and especially on your first day of practice, one of your first reps in individuals and one-on-ones uh, in a full padded practice. But Jeff Okuda is going to be a good player. I feel very confident saying that uh, from every person I've talked to. But he's going to have ups and downs this year, especially as a corner. And people just need to recognize that and understand that and not get down on him because he has a bad game or two or three. Like he might be not good this first month of the season, but you then look at the receivers that he might have faced and the quarterbacks he might face as well. Kyler and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and whatever they're going to do in Chicago. Uh, And I mean, that's, Three of those four would be mildly concerning, and then whatever they do in Chicago. Uh, but Nick Foles, if Nick Foles starts, Nick Foles is not bad. He's Super Bowl MVP, and I mean Mitchell Trubisky seems to like playing the Lions. Like he's okay. re- he's really good against the Lions and really bad against everyone else. Uh, so it's gonna that's a lot. Again, I think it's just gonna be really interesting. But it's day one. Do not panic about Jeff Okudia. Yeah, do not panic that DeAndre Swift barely got any work. Like. Don't worry about any of that. If a week, a week and a half, two weeks from now, when the media leaves practice for good and we can only see stretching the rest of the year, if Jeff Okuda, DeAndre Swift haven't gotten a significant time by then and worked their way into the rotation, then you have reason to maybe be concerned. Yeah, and September is going to be basically a preseason anyway since we didn't have one. 
It'll be something. Of, I, yeah, I think yeah. it will be more like that than you've ever seen it before. I think those. It would not shock me if you see rotations. I actually asked Matt Patricia whether they're going to consider doing the offensive line rotation uh, again. I, I, I that is like <laughs> Jeremy can tell you because I think like that. Is, I asked about that almost every week last year, and almost, after almost every time I asked it after that press conference, I just was like, why? <laughs> You and everyone in Detroit, like I'm sure our chat right now is just going to like start throwing up in the fact that you even mentioned it. But yeah, well, he Patricia basically, you heard yeah. him. You were on the call. He did not rule yeah. out doing the rotation again. Oh no, he said year. this year I would understand it if they did it this year. If they started Kenny Wiggins and then worked Jonah Jackson and Logan Stenberg in, like for for the first few weeks of the season, and he said, "Listen, this is what we're doing. We're trying. We we trust all these guys." Except I'd be like, you know what? This makes sense because. You drafted Jonah Jackson and Logan Stenberg to eventually take over. We didn't have the time. So this is getting them worked in without potentially being, you know, turnstiled too bad, like going against Akeem Hicks potentially in week one. Right. Like, you, you, Kenny Wiggins at least has faced Akeem Hicks before, you know? Like, but that, I mean, and maybe we're going to get to this. I'm sure we will. Jonah Jackson being in with the first team on day one, to me, says they want Jonah Jackson to really win this job. Yeah, and you led directly into our next question, which was going to be about Jonah Jackson, because who doesn't want to talk more about rookies uh, and their, their first impression with you? Um, yeah, let, let's talk about Jonah Jackson, and, and at least let's talk about how you thought he fared in his first day, because you know going up against Danny Shelton, Deshaun Hand, not not necessarily elite talents, but certainly no scrubs either. So so what were your thoughts on him getting those first team reps? And and even I, I heard a little a little work at center as well. Yeah, some backup center action for Jonah Jackson. I feel like they're maybe trying to turn him into Kenny Wiggins and Joe Dahl, at least from that versatility perspective, or mm-hmm. the departed to Denver Graham Glasgow. Uh, to me, it's tough to grade offensive line play to begin with because, I mean, I'm 5'11", 100 and I think it was 181 pounds. Like, I, w- I was a bouncer at a bar in college, but I was never the size of an offensive lineman. and. <laughs> I just never played the position ever in like in any sort of way, even in like, like Sandlot ball or, or nothing. Right. So I can't, that that's like my week. One of my weaknesses when it comes to covering football, I don't totally grasp it. So I rely on the opinions of others and that's going to be hard to get really. I think until the season starts that said, I thought he did. Okay. Um, I will, I did not really watch the individual offensive lineman versus defensive lineman drill, which is actually my favorite drill uh today because i was paying some attention to seven on seven with what they were doing with okuda and what stafford looked like but uh, he did like i didn't see him other than the two reps i talked about earlier where he kind of got tangled up and, and fell to the ground and i don't know whether that was a you know defensive lineman forcing the issue or his feet got crossed up whatever it may be you know got big guys fall uh to me that I think I'm sure he did okay. I, I didn't have him in my notebook as being like, oh, you gave up a clear sack, which, I mean, that was a commonplace thing that I'd be writing the last few years in my notebook during training camp was, oh, nope, that, yeah, that guy would have, Stafford would have been sacked there. Chase Daniel would have been sacked there. But they didn't do a ton of teamwork that would have relied on that yet. So it'll be interesting to see as the week goes on and maybe they get into some of those third and ball, like places where Stafford's going to have to hold the ball a little bit more how he fares there um 
So I think he did okay. I mean, again, I look at it more as Matt Patricia can say it's a rotation all he wants. Matt Patricia knows what he's doing. The fact that yeah. they're sending him out. I mean, I think they said that about Taylor. Well, I mean, this was before Matt Patricia's time. But if I remember correctly, I think they said that about Taylor Decker and Jared Davis too, that they were rotating those guys in. Like, no, man, you're you're throwing – if you're putting a guy out there the first day that the media is watching, you're doing it for a reason because you can schedule that rotation of days however the heck you want and you know what you're doing. So – like you're doing it for one of two reasons. Either you want you're planning on him winning the job, or you're sending a message to your vet saying, Hey, he's gonna get every shot to win the job. To me, it's one of those two things. Uh I don't think he's won the job yet, but I you know, I, I think that they they I've always said a few times they want him to. Uh, yeah. that much to me is clear, and that was clear, I think, from when they drafted him. And from the way Matt Patricia talked about him today. Um, yeah. You know, praising his ability to transition and, and looking at the move from Rutgers to Ohio State, which in some ways, I mean, Rutgers fans won't like me saying this, is <laughs> is a jump in level. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Well, so, uh, Mr. Rothstein, so in addition Please to... Don't ever call me you that. Know, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've okay. met him as a bouncer, right. probably... I was going to say, so bouncer Rothstein, um, the, the, the next thing that I wanted to have you kind of give us a perspective of is we've talked a little bit about rookies and things like that, but what about some of the other guys just in terms of players who stand out, maybe some of the surprises from day one in terms of maybe guys playing with, you know, getting first team reps that you wouldn't expect getting first team reps or, or guys kind of showing out. You mentioned, you know, Victor Bolden having a nice catch or something like that. And, and anything that can kind of like, like Jeremy said at the top, take some, take some meat off this bone. Yeah, I mean, Victor Bolton, like I said, had a nice catch. He had a nice catch in individuals, too. The catch I'm talking about was in the team period. He basically cut back and caught a ball in the end zone, like on the sideline, falling out of bounds. It was a real, and the coverage was great. Uh, Frankly, the usual suspects that you would think or that you would hope if you were a Lions fan performed well did perform well. Matthew Stafford looked incredibly sharp. He had a couple of miscues, uh, one that should have probably been picked in the end zone, threw it basically right at Desmond Trufant. But he had a couple of throws that looked like midseason Matthew Stafford, one to Kenny Galladay in the end zone that really Justin Coleman was like this, like right over him, right? And like Stafford threw the one place that like only Galladay could get it and Coleman couldn't because of – Galladay's ability to high point the point the ball and height advantage uh, in the back of the end zone. And he threw it right where Galladay could get his feet down and fall out of bounds for a touchdown. And uh, he had another throw to Marvin Jones where Marvin Jones basically like falling almost and caught the ball. That was, I think, more even Marvin Jones's ability than Stafford. But I thought Matthew Stafford on the whole looked pretty good. I wanted to see him throw. That was my – I know other people weren't necessarily as concerned about that. I needed to see that on day one because I – have heard for time immemorial. Oh, guy's healthy. Guy's healthy. Guy's great. Sure. He's going to be fine. And then you're like, well, look, he's on pop. Like, so seeing Matthew Stafford throw and seeing him look as sharp as he did to me says, okay, I think you're in a good spot there. The other guys that look good, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, they both look like they're ready to go. Um, Neither one is surprising. Kenny Galladay for now is in a contract year. We'll see how long that's still a contract year. Marvin Jones is in a contract year. I think Marvin Jones is going to have a big year because he's in a contract year. And frankly, this is probably his last chance at really getting to cash in because he's hit that 30-year-old threshold. So 
they both looked very ready to go and they looked really, really sharp on day one. And those were really the guys that stood out to me uh, on offense. And like I said, defensively, it was a little bit tricky just because so many of the defensive backs, uh, I don't know yet because it's so there's so many new faces there and, and same on the defensive line too. Yeah, I was just going to say, because there's so many new faces on the defensive side of the ball, all the Patriots imports and, and things like that. But the, the one other guy that I wanted to ask you about was Jamal Agnew. Did you get a chance to see him? Was he taking reps with I the wide receivers? Do, you know, I didn't see him do much of anything. Okay. Um, now, that doesn't mean that he didn't, because a lot of times when, like, the third team is going, I'm trying to catch up or look at something else or take a sure, break yeah. or or – whatever um because in years past also we've had much longer time in camp so like watching those third string guys on the first few days of camp just has never been something that's of a ton of value um but i didn't see him do much he was lined up with the other returners during the one kind of special teams period that that punt period that they had uh jason huntley jamal agnew danny amandola tom kennedy were the guys back there i still think it's an agnew versus Huntley battle for those two jobs with Amendola being the safety option in like, hey, don't be an idiot situations. Like, don't tempt him. You know, y'all know what we're talking about. Like, hey, oh, like, yeah. you're gonna, you know, like you're gonna need to make a decision whether catch fair catch this or let it bounce. Like, we're gonna trust Danny Amendola because he's got 18, 19, whatever years in the league. Um so, yeah, I didn't notice much of Agnew today, but he's on my list of guys kind of towards the end of the week to kind of figure out where he's at because I, I think he's a guy – I still think his ticket to making this team is beating out Jason Huntley for the return jobs. And if he doesn't, I think he's very much at risk for uh, maybe not being on the team. And since there is some flexibility practice squad, if you think you can sneak him through – you know, you, you put him on the practice squad, but his versatility is really enticing in a COVID world where, you know, in a pinch, if all of a sudden you're down four corners or three corners because of uh, COVID on a Sunday morning, you know, you at least can put him in and he knows what he's doing versus, you know, maybe a practice squad guy who's never been in that situation. Uh, I know all we're right. running a little long on our yeah. first segment. I got one more thing I want to ask you about okay. because Matt I do too, but yeah. Matt Patricia spoke very highly of this guy uh, and and maybe kind of a, a dark horse candidate to make a, an impact on defense. But uh, let, let's talk a little bit about Jalen Reeves Mabin um, because Matt Patricia, you know, likes to give praise to some players, but he usually keeps it pretty calm. I thought he was kind of over the top with his praise with Jalen Reeves Mabin saying, you know, he he's really impressed with his special teams, but he also made a couple plays today. I was wondering if you ended up seeing any of those big plays because I, I know uh, a couple of the other beat guys mentioned it in their recaps. And uh, and I don't think a lot of people had Jalen Reeves Maven really on their radar in this linebacking core this year. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't see those plays that he made um, specifically. Uh, sure. But I did notice him on spe- – I mean, in the special teams period, and he's still going to always – he's – no, I want to say always because guys can, you know, Tyre Whitehead's a perfect example in kind of years three, four, five move from being a pure special teams player to a starting middle linebacker. But to me, Jalen Reeves Mabins may be their best special teams player or second best special teams player. I'm, you mm-hmm. know, Matt Prater aside and Don Yulbach aside, right? Like I'm talking about like coverage guys. I think he's fantastic there. 
So I still think, like I was talking about with Jamal Agnew, special teams is how Jalen Reeds Maven makes this team. But if he can show he can be valuable on defense, that to me makes I don't know where they put him defensively, though. Like I don't think he'll beat out Christian Jones for that job because they love Christian Jones, right? right. And you're not gonna and they brought Jamie Collins in for a reason. So he's not beating out Jamie Collins. He doesn't play in the middle, so you're not putting him in the Tavai bucket or the Jared Davis bucket. And he's not going to play the, you know, the edge rusher, so you're not going to put him in that Julian O'Quara, maybe Jared Davis, whatever bucket. So where is he? He's in that Christian Jones area. So maybe he ends up being Christian Jones' backup, but I, you know, I think that maybe it was where he might be slotted to begin with. I, I'm trying to remember my 53-man roster that I predicted before camp started, Let's be honest. Every day is a week here, you know. Yeah, I, yep, yep, but, yep. Uh, but I mean, I think I had him on the team or, or close to it because of that special teams ability, and yeah. I, it does not surprise me that he's making plays on that he made a couple of plays on defense. Now that I'm thinking about it, I did see one of the plays that was fairly impressive. I believe it was a pass breakup. I'm trying to remember who it was on, but he he's always done that. I mean, I feel like he's done that in camps prior too, and I think he's done that somewhat intermittently when he's gotten the opportunity in games. It's just that he hasn't necessarily gotten that opportunity in a game yet. Um, I always felt he was a talented player. It's just a matter of him, you know, getting that chance. And maybe that gets him that chance. Maybe he gets that chance this year, but I'm not exactly sure uh, where that comes immediately defensively unless they have injuries because of the guys they've brought in and the guys they've signed to larger deals ahead of him. Okay, real quick, we're, time is, as you say, time is warped and completely stopped. We're, we're way over, but, you know, hey, we have all the time in the world from Michael Rothstein here. One last question for you, and that is comes from the TJ Hawkinson press, uh, presser. Are you buying into dagger time? <laughs> well, I, I do, I do want to ask this because, like, I, it, it is funny because I... <laughs> Damn it. Um, I'm trying I not mean, to be awkward I, here, but like, I, I'm just thinking like, cause I mean, I, I do understand why they're trying to focus on like high intensity situations. Yeah. Cause there were a lot of before Stafford went out, there were still a lot of one score games that were just kind of just that fell apart near the end for the lions. And I, I get it. That's kind of how they, you know, we, for several years now, the lions have kind of walked this thin razor's edge on these, on these one score games, which is, I mean, most NFL games are within one score almost by design. So, I mean, do you, do you, do you buy like, I don't know. What, what do you think on dagger time? So when I first heard it, and I posted this on Twitter, but when I first heard it, and maybe this shows my age, I immediately thought of too legit to quit and see Hammer, and just going back and forth and like you know, stop Hammer time. Like okay, that's, that's what I thought of when they said Dagger time, and I just couldn't stop like internally laughing. Uh, at least you went there. At least you went there and not Chelsea Dagger, because that's where I went first, and I rolled my eyes at that. No, no, I went to Hammer time, but again, I'm almost forty, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice were very much my 11, 12-year-old self. Um, and I know you guys like karaoke on here, and I will say that I have done both MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice and karaoke. Yes! Wait, no, wait, wait. No, 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 no not going to Hold happen. on. No, no, before, before do, you, do you know that Kyle Kasky did a rendition of, of Ice Ice Baby? acoustically during on our karaoke night? I, I did not know that, but I, I am... 
I am very happy. You have to ask him now. You have to ask him now. Definitely ask him about it. Absolutely come up uh, <laughs> on point because, yes, no, Ice Ice Baby is actually my favorite karaoke song uh, to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, listen, if it motivates them, good for them. Like, that's, I, I've always, I've never been a slogan guy in that form or fashion, but listen, it works. I mean, remember, I, I can't believe I'm going to bring this up because, you know, people roll their eyes, but like Jerome Bettis is one for the thought, you know, like, like there, there's, there's different guys that you, and different teams that use motivation differently. And if that works for them and they can buy into it and have fun with it, then good for them. If it doesn't work, then, I mean, it does lend itself to a lot of jokes. <laughs> hey, so it worked like, for it worked for the. This is going way off tangent here, right? But like Marvel <laughs> had a series called Cloak and Dagger. It lasted a couple of seasons. Like if you type in Dagger Time on for for gifs on uh on Twitter, there are so many Cloak and Dagger like ones, and I was just like, no, see, no one will get that unless you watch that show. Um, but like, there's like it's leaving themselves ripe for for mocking. But if it works for them, I say go for it. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's big business, but this is supposed to be fun. Like, this is supposed to be a game. This is supposed to be entertainment. And if they can have fun with it and bring some levity to, like, long days in camp and, like, a long season where they're beating themselves up and their bodies are getting tossed around, like, so be it. Have fun with it. And, you know, cool. Like, just you know, make a song out of it or something. I, I don't know. Like better, know, better than go, go all, like, I can't wait. Honestly, the fact that Stafford coined this, I am like actually excited to ask Matthew Stafford about this just because I don't know if he will answer something sarcastic and like not answer the question or if go into an entire like soliloquy about this, because right now the Matthew Stafford we're getting on zoom calls is really one or the other. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to deny it. I think he's going to say, nah, I didn't come He'll with that. Uh, yeah. He doesn't want to sound fun. He never wants to sound fun. QB speak, yeah. I don't know. I think he's gotten way better with that over the past. I think Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford three years ago would absolutely have not said that. <laughs> Matthew Stafford now, I think abs- I think I think he will I think he will will cop to it and I think he will basically like explain where well actually no i don't think he'll explain where it comes from i think that's a step too far for him but <laughs> um i think it's gonna come up like and i think he'll i think he'll admit it i think it'll be because like i mean it's gonna listen it's gonna get asked about to like every offensive player probably in some form or fashion over the next few weeks like it just is because it's something new and different that isn't speculative because let's be real everything we talked about over the last 40 minutes or so is all speculation. It's all speculative. We won't know anything until now with no preseason, probably, you know, what, September 29th, September 30th is their fourth game, something like that, that, um, or third game. Like we won't really know anything and probably until that after, after that Arizona game. So sure. Let's have fun with it, man. Like let's, let's roll. I'm all, I'm all about like goofy stuff and like people having fun with stuff like especially in training camp and preseason like it's sometimes it gets way too serious like to uh if i hear one more guy say i'm in the best shape of my life i'm just gonna be like nah bro like (laughs) there there goes our tj hawkinson question well (laughs) all right 
You can find him on Twitter at Mike Rothstein. He's the host of the Michael Rothstein show. He's on ESPN all the time. He is our guy, Michael Rothstein. Mike, thanks for being on, man. We love having you here. But we're going to do it again because I think uh, <laughs> you want to stick around. <laughs> I'll stick around. I got. Okay. I, I, I'll stick around for another segment. I mean, yeah, I've okay. I, I've done my work for the day. Are you kidding? I, <laughs> I'm going to try to resist asking you all bouncer stories at this point because I I'm I'm trying to buy that you were a bouncer still. I, I only like, have one good one. I I mean, I you really, also make like yeah. the fifth person I've worked with in sports media who was a bouncer. Like, I was probably the thinnest of all of them. So okay, so yeah. I worked at a bar called Darwin's that you know, unfortunately no longer exists at Syracuse. I still have the t-shirt 20 years later, 19 years later. And so I was working one day in happy hour and these two guys I was actually had taken classes with, they were both in Newhouse. They were both bigger dudes, like way bigger than me. And pretty much they were playing pool. And as they're wont to do at four in the afternoon, because college, um, they got into it over pool and they're like going at each other. So I slip in between the two of them and I'm literally like this, like squish up. Like you can picture like the cartoons you've seen it when like two big dudes are like trying to squish the little dude. And I'm like in the middle of them being like, Hey guys, like I know both of you calm down. I'll buy you both a beer. Let's chill the hell out because both of you can kill me down and squash me dead. Like, let's just hang out here. And thankfully they, they, they listened and they cooler heads prevailed and, and I took care of them and uh, we moved on with our day. But that is my favorite bouncer story uh, from my time working as a bouncer for a little over a semester and a half. I, I unceremoniously lost that job because I had met with a newspaper that a job fair that night before my shift and they said they wanted to interview me the next day. And uh, I went in and said, hey, listen, I can't work till 4 a.m. I have a job interview at like 9 a.m. And I can't do this. And then like two days later, I walked in for my next shift. And they're like, hey, so I have to let you go. And I was like, oh, that, okay. I mean, this was like f- three weeks, four weeks left to school. So uh, I was like, they were like, so we'll see you in a couple hours, like on the other side of the bar. And I was like, yep, yeah, you will. And, you know, <laughs> we moved on from there. All right. All right. Well, we'll get into more of that. Let's take a break here because I know uh, Twitch chat is like chomping at the bit right now and I need to put in some markers for the sound. But uh, I'm happy to be doing this again, man. I just am like I'm a ball. I'm a ball of emotions right now. So we'll be right back. And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, Ryan had to bounce here real quick, but we're just continuing on with Michael Rothstein. Once again, the Michael Rothstein podcast, the Michael Rothstein show, excuse me, uh, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you can find podcasts, along with this one, the Pride of Detroit POD cast on Spotify, Apple, so on and so forth, here, there, here, there, everywhere. Michael Rothstein also from ESPN, but you knew that. I would hope you know that. If you don't, then uh, we have questions for you. Mike, uh, so I want to talk to you right now, and we got Jeremy here as well, because we're going to talk about – we've got questions now. It's This is question time. Everyone's – it's weird because I feel like the sports calendar is kind of in an arrested development like the rest of 2020, because we've got the NBA playoffs on like a quadruple header today as we're recording. <laughs> and it's August and there's no preseason. So I think storylines are going to start smacking us in the face real fast. 
So uh, I want to open up to you guys, like the one storyline, the one pressing question we have so far. And then we're going to go around and each of us can say whether or not we feel that concern is justified or if we feel that we're maybe overreacting and just playing uh, preseason doomsday quarterback. Overreaction. Yeah. Yeah. Reaction or overreaction. Yeah. It's schlocky, but that's like my entire shtick is being schlocky. So we're going to roll with that. So, uh, Jeremy, did you want to go first? You want me to go first? Sure. I I can go first. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you go first. It'll be an easy topic because we alluded to it a little bit before. Um, my, My biggest question, and while I think, you know, there are probably more pressing questions on the defensive side of the ball, the one that I'm a little most perplexed about, at least with the way the lines appear to be approaching it, is the offensive line. Um, we talked about how they had Jonah Jackson in at right guard today. I think it was Joe Dahl at left guard. But according to Patricia, they've been rotating that through through walkthroughs. They've basically had Odea Bushi in there, Kenny Wiggins in there. I guess my concern right now is like, you got four weeks. You need to get settled on a lineup. And, and we know this team isn't necessarily married to that idea of settling a lineup of you know, he said today, like he's not necessarily committed to not doing the guard rotation this year. Um, but to me, like you, you got you got to go in with a plan and maybe it's not the plan that you stick with. If someone is, is improving or impressing uh, unexpectedly in training camp. But I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a lot of moving parts here in this offensive line. There's at least two new starting jobs, maybe even a third one, depending on what the lines decide to do at left guard. And so I want to see these guys get as many reps together as possible, at least the guys you plan on, on starting in week one. And so the fact that they're kind of dilly-dallying again with, with the guards and things like that, and I understand it's early in Tramp. This is basically your first time you're getting to evaluate these players, and so you're just, you're just evaluating at this point. But this was a concern I had going into training camp, and based on what I've heard from day one, uh, this isn't something that's necessarily going to go away, to me at least. Uh, yeah, I would say, I, I don't know if I would say it's a little bit of an overreaction just because it's so early. If yeah. we're, if it's still 10 days from now and every, you know, one day it's Kenny Wiggins, one day it's Odea Boucher, one day it's, uh, Logan Stenberg, one day it's Jonah Jackson. Then I think you have legitimate concern. I think this first week, if they do this fine, I mean, you're figuring it out you're probably not hitting intensely you still have three weeks and if it is kenny wiggins or odea boucher like if that's the way you decide to go both of them have massive amounts of experience with frank ragnow kenny wiggins more than odea boucher so you don't have to worry about it quite as much and kenny wiggins obviously has experience at left guard too and could you know so he has experience with decker so that is not i think as big of an issue but i think it's one of those like 10 days from now it could be a very serious problem that you're wondering about. But right now I think that's an overreaction just because Matt Patricia, listen, Matt Patricia can say all he wants. It's going to be this too. Right. But yeah, he could, it could be, they could put Kenny Wiggins in tomorrow and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's all Jonah Jackson. And well, there's your, there's your answer. Like, so I think it's a way overreaction today. But I mean, the other factor though is like, yeah, they're, they're experienced with Frank Ragnow, but they got a new guy at right tackle too. So there needs to be at least a little bit of a, a warming period with Halapuli Vati Vaitai as well. I think I'm I think more I'm impressed we got that out. <laughs> I've been practicing. What do you think I've been doing all quarantine? 
just just saying halapuli vati vaitai in the mirror for 20 20 minutes Listen, a day man you you want to get those <laughs> samoan names right i i did pro i did like several <laughs> reporting with some samoan people and like it's it, it, I, I found it kind of alarming how many people were just, you know, throwing up their hands about the name. And it's just, I, I don't know. Feels, I, I appreciate the effort. I'll just say that. No, Jeremy. I do too. I, I, he has said, he said on his introductory call, he was cool by going with Hal and, and Big H. So I, Hal Big is v, actually Big v, cool. Big v, yeah. Hal Big actually v. sounds cool. Makes me think of like. So I, you know, if he's going to do that just for, um, brevity's sake then i'm gonna go with that but yeah i mean if i if that's what he prefer if that is what he prefers to be called i'm gonna call him by his name i mean jeremy was around tyre whitehead for years everyone yeah. was pronouncing his name wrong here instead of tie here and he just never said anything yeah until like his last year or second to last year in detroit <laughs> yeah that, that, that was so like that was me i sat down with like the anoa'i family who like runs a bunch of pro wrestling in socal like Roman Reigns part of the family. That's you know, I, I was sitting down with Rikishi and I think I said Manti Teo's name wrong because er, no, I, I think I just did it wrong there. Teo, but like for, yeah, that's ex- exactly it. You know, for forever, everyone saying Manti Teo and I don't know if I'm even doing it right. I'm sweating now. I'm sweating. expecting <laughs> you to jump in here and yell at me. Um, no, I think Jeremy, as far as your point about the offensive line, I think concerns a little justified just because, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm my other concern. It's not the one I had written down is just keeping Stafford upright at the end of the day. So, you know, I I'm not saying that, you know, the first plan needs to be the final plan. But I, I would like to see hopefully that this line gets set uh, eventually and then just it works, you know, experiment where you can. But again, we don't have a, you don't have a preseason to figure it out. Mike, can I can I change your world in, in an instant? Uh, sure. Regarding regarding Halapuli Vati Vaitai. Yeah. Shout out shout out to Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, the Eagles uh, SB Nation blog. He tipped me to this fact. The fact that you can say his name to play that funky music white boy made it incredibly <laughs> easy. Oh no. Oh no. Halapuli Vati Vaitai. That's it. You'll never okay. say it wrong parody, again. Parody songs are coming from the fans. I want that. Pride the Detroit community. I know you guys do good things. Come on. <laughs> That that I'm never going to forget that now. Thank you. <laughs> you solve that for me. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, my concern is with one particular guy. I don't even know if it's a concern. I just think it's a storyline to keep an eye on is just TJ Hawkinson. This is kind of the year once again of the tight ends in the news with George Kittle getting broke off. And I know they were asking Hawkinson about that Iowa Iowa tight ends, things of that nature. Um, the ankle doesn't concern me too much because, I mean, show me a football player that hasn't had injuries. But at the same time, I think he does need to be a big part of this offense coming up. It's just the way that the NFL has been going for a while. I, the, the amazing thing, kind of looking at the Kansas City Chiefs, it's not even the wide receivers stand out, but you want to break off Kittle. And that's what it was. And Hawkinson, I... I think fans got a little restless in that first in the uh, first year with Hawkinson. I kind of understand why. I kind of understand that he needs time to grow. I wish Ryan didn't need to duck out because Ryan had prime bait on the timeline this week about you know double standard between Hawkinson and and uh, a name that we can't say. Oh, <clears throat> oops! Look at you! Look at I you! I only said it once. It's not like he's going to appear. We we got we got two more. 
No, but it's just it, it's it, it's I, I don't worry about him appearing. I'm more about I'm more about the Twitter timeline turning into just incoherent screeching. But <laughs> I think Hawkinson, this is kind of the year where you know you were drafted first, and we talked about that you didn't have a lot of time to just wait on him because it's another first round tight end. So I mean. I do want to see him more involved with the offense this year. I, I, I do. I want to see him more involved. I, I mean, not just in the offense, but in as a receiving as a receiving threat. Am I am I putting too much on him? I mean, yes and no. Like in terms of fan perception, I think this is a make or break year. Like if he doesn't have at least five hundred yards receiving. The, the boo birds, the bust birds are going to come out for sure from which from thankfully the fan we're not going to have that in Ford Field this year. good point good point but yeah i think people will start drawing the ebron comparison quite heavily uh i said him oh god i said his name again uh uh yeah i I won't say it again i won't say it again but uh yeah i i think in terms of that like fan perception this is a big year for him i don't necessarily think it has to be that kind of year for him i think he also needs to be kind of a more well-rounded guy we saw him kind of beef up in the upper body. So maybe he's kind of preparing for a blocking role and, and the lines definitely drafted him to be that kind of two way guy. Um, a lot of people thought he was very good at that in Iowa and we didn't really see a lot of that in his rookie year. Um, but yeah, but I'm with you as well. Like you, you draft a guy eighth overall, you obviously want him to be a big part of your offense. And that includes catching a lot of passes. If it doesn't happen this year, does that mean it won't happen? I don't think so. Um, I'm, I'm very high on the guy based on what I saw in, in training camp last year and even, you know, in dabbles of throughout the regular season. Um, but it's, it's definitely an important year for him. And I think, uh, there's, there's a lot of expectations for him. I'm going to live in the overreaction bubble again, uh, in that I rookie tight ends have always, 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 always struggled whether it is Tony Gonzalez, who even in just 11 games, TJ Hawkinson had comparable numbers to what Tony Gonzalez had, to Eric Ebron. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> to, who, listen, Eric Ebron, for as much as people like to bag on him, like, he wasn't bad. He just struggled to he struggled with some catching issues but that we everyone knew that coming out of North Carolina and it was more a product of who was taken directly after him and the needs that they had versus versus him i think if he had gone 20th the, and the lions picked there i don't think they nearly would have like if he had gone and said where Noah Fant went right i don't think there'd be nearly the issue so I think you're going to see potentially that second year from TJ Hawkins. And I think he was starting to slowly find it again when he got hurt on Thanksgiving, because I think the biggest problem for TJ Hawkinson last year wasn't the injuries. It wasn't being a rookie. It was his first game of the season. That was the biggest, biggest problem for him from a perception standpoint, because people saw that and were like, Oh my God, he's amazing. He's really, he was really good, but like de- like any rookie, like we were talking about with Akuda before, it's going to be in moderation. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. And once you lost Matthew Stafford, forget about. It. I mean, you're asking a rookie tight end to make up for that. I mean, really, who who's the guy on the offense last year that played well in spite? You know, even with Jeff Driscoll slash David Blau, there's one guy. So two, if you want to include Danny Amendola, but there's one guy in Kenny Galladay. 
and, and I don't count Bo Scarborough because Bo Scarborough wasn't around when Stafford was around, right? Like, and, and he was kind of a break gla- glass in case of emergency pickup off of the, you know, he was hanging out in IMG Academy working out. So I think you're going to see a lot from TJ Hawkinson, and I'm not concerned about that yet because I think that Daryl Bevel knows how he wants to use him in the offense, and I, I, I have no concerns there. Right now, I, I think he's going to have a big year. But again, like I was saying a little bit ago, it's all speculation until we see a game. But I thought he looked good yesterday, today, today. and beyond that, the way the fact that he was very open of like, yeah, you know, like I think it's 100%, but I still feel it, so it's not today shows me he's aware enough with what's going on in his body that he's going to be smart about it and really be aggressive, really be aggressive in taking care of it, but also not putting himself in a position to re-injure it. Like other than something, you know, football. All right, Mike, it's your turn. Where's your uh, fear lying right now? Oh, I mean, mine's the layup, right? Like it's punter. No, uh, Although I, in all truth, I, I do think that's an issue. But no, my mine is obviously pass rush. That that was the biggest issue to me at the end of throughout last season. That was the biggest issue at the end of last season. Don't think the Lions did a lot to improve in that area in the off season, and it's still my biggest issue now. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I obviously getting Romeo Aquara back helps off of NFI when they get Austin Bryant back from Pup, if they get Austin Bryant back from Pup, that theoretically will also help, but we also don't know what Austin Bryant can or can't do. And I look at it and I'm like, well, we're putting a lot of bank on Julian Aquara, who was ticketed to maybe be a first-round guy before he got hurt. So I think that you maybe have potential there, but you're putting a lot on Trey Flowers and you're putting a lot on a guy in Nick Williams who – had six sacks in his career. They all came last year, and he's 30. Like, you're you're expecting him to magically have found this bubble or this, you know, this fountain, this fountain of talent where I look at it, and generally my gut would be like, you go with the mean, right? Like, and you go when you regress to the mean. So if he goes to regress to the mean, even if he get, doesn't have zero sacks like he had in the first few years of his career, maybe he only has two or three. So then where are you getting that internal pressure from? Probably Deshaun Ham, but he – couldn't stay healthy last year, and you hope he stays healthy this year because he does have that talent. Danny Shelton's not a pass rush guy. So where's that interior pressure coming from? We all know that Matt Patricia really likes to get the pressure from the inside, and then that's where like guys like Trey Flowers and Romeo Okwara and Jamie Collins and Julian Okwara clean up those sacks. Well, I look at that middle of that defense and that defensive tackle spot. I think that's their weakest spot in their team. Their second weakest spot is at defensive end. Those are two major, major concerns positions for me and right and i haven't seen a single way that they're going to get better yet and uh, I, you look at the market right now there's one guy out there you know one or two guys out there that really can make a difference but i don't think they're going to spend for either one of those guys so to me i'm looking at that and i'm saying well if you still can't get pass rush you're that's when the jeff okuda problems come in that's where desmond trufant problems maybe come in and that's where your whole defense really starts to struggle and fall apart and i think you're banking too much maybe on jamie collins being able to do some of that too yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I feel like everyone has kind of been beating that same drum, and and yeah, Sorry. I think you're absolutely no, no, I, you're right. I'm just saying you're right, like, um, because I feel like you know, th- there's a certain subsection of Lions fans that are optimistic about everything, and every little change is a positive change. But like, any sort of like positive spin you try to 
put on the Lions pass rush in 2020, it feels like grasping at straws. It feels like, oh, well, Deshaun Hand is back and healthy. But you're like, okay, but for how long? And how, how, how much do we even know that Deshaun Hand is really that good? I mean, he had a good string of games his rookie year, but that was two years ago. Um, he has a lot to kind of overcome. And you, you, Nick Williams is the other source of interior pressure where you're, you're hopeful. But like you said, one good year and he's 30. You go to the second level, you're talking about Julian O'Quara having a big impact. I'm sorry, fan fan perception of rookies always tends to outperform the actual performance of, of the rookie. Expecting a guy like him to come in and get eight sacks in his rookie year is, is unrealistic. And then I think the other piece of the puzzle is, as you kind of mentioned at the end there, Jamie Collins. Like, if, To me, that's the closest thing to optimism you can get because then having a reliable linebacker that can drop back in coverage that can run defend it does free up some of your other guys like Jared Davis and I don't think Jared Davis is going to be this edge rusher that everyone wants him to be but I do think he's going to be freed up to to rush the passer a little bit more and and that's where I think the Lions might get a little more pressure they might get a little more aggressive than they were in years past because they were one of the the least blitzing teams uh, in the NFL last year I do think Jamie Collins gives them a little more versatility a little more um, security blanket to, to maybe dial up the blitzes a little more, even though Matt Patricia hasn't shown that that's something he, he loves to do. Um, but again, all of these things just feel like I'm grasping at straws. They feel like big, well, if this happens, and none of them feel particularly strong in terms of the odds that any of those things happen. So I'm 100% with you. Pass rush still remains maybe the biggest concern of this team overall. No, I'm there. I'm totally there. I, I've been banging this for a while and they keep refusing to draft on the edge rush. So I'm going to, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a creature of panic and disgust. So absolutely right there. You hit it on the head. Michael Rothstein, everyone. Yeah. It's really like the Packers just deciding, Hey, look, wide receiver, maybe need one of those. <laughs> the deepest well, wide receiver draft in history. Uh, well, we're going to draft two running backs instead. I mean, like, not like what do you, and then Devin Funches yeah. hops out. Like, I, and I'm yeah. high on Alan Lazard, by the way. Not to go out. I'm yeah. really high on Alan Lazard. But, like, address, like it, address the defensive line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just address it. Like, like, handle it besides Trey Flowers. Like, you're putting a lot of pressure on Trey Flowers. Yep. I think we should wrap it there. All right. At Mike, at Mike Rothstein, once again, check out the Michael Rothstein show wherever you can find podcasts because he's awesome. We love having him on. Mike, we're going to have a fun season here and hope to see you again before it's all said and done. And uh, yeah, I, I want more bouncer stories next time. I'm, I'm fascinated now. <laughs> I, might have I, to go I, I guarantee I mean, there, must be, there, there has to be like 40% of everyone who works in sports media apparently at one point worked as a bouncer. Because I work with at least two of them over at over at the radio. I mean, that's a small sample size you're working from. I'm I'm friends with a lot of people in sports media, and I I'm the only one I know of. So uh, <laughs> maybe I, know, I was never good at stats. Jeremy will tell you. Blast, Jeremy's the uh, stats guy. Yeah, this is a blast. Thanks, thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully your your audience on Twitch and on the podcast got something from it. Absolutely, Mike's awesome. We're awesome. I Jeremy, uh, I can't believe. I we figured out how to bring me back. I don't know what's going to happen this year. I don't even know if we're going to have a full damn season. Me coming back might curse the whole damn thing. But um, yeah, you'll you'll be the reason they don't have an NFL yeah. season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just that's the way it works, man. We, we're hexing the moon. I'm hexing the season. That's how it is. Uh, thank you all for listening to Pride of Detroit Pod Cast. 
What, so what have you, you've been doing something different while I've been gone. It's like you've been saying it's chaos, be kind. Yes, sir. Why is it chaos? This is me. This is me gesturing to everything right the, now. Yeah, yeah. Do it for the podcast. Yeah, I guess that. See, that's been that way for years, man. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, this Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy, just here. You say it, and I'll say mine. Let's, let's be schlocky about it. Christopher, it's chaos. Be kind. Jeremy, see you, Star Side. Oh, you thought we were done. No, 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 no. We're going long here because I haven't seen Jeremy in forever and I want to rant with him about one thing here that happened during this week. Thanks again to Michael Rothstein, but we've got to touch on this. Uh, I want to talk to Jeremy about something. I want to talk to you about something that's been happening while I've been gone, while there's been, you know, actually just been happening this week because let me just say this. 2020 is the year of the Groundhog Day. Everything repeats. Everything seems to go very slowly. Time doesn't move forward. I think this is the result of, I believe, about a month or two ago, some Wiccans on, I believe, TikTok hexed the moon. And since then, everything's been kind of just repeating. It just it won't stop. And very appropriately, the Lions finally hit their groundhog today. And what, I, what do I mean by that is that Calvin Johnson once again came back up, and the discord has begun once again. Calvin Johnson was interviewed by David Burkett of the Free Press. Uh, it was a great interview. You should go check it out if you can. I know it might be behind a paywall. Uh, he still has a relationship with a wide receivers coach. Uh, I learned that you know he's been talking with Galladay, Marvin Jones. A lot of talk in there about his work ethic and why he ended up eventually hanging it up. I know like I know one of the quotes I heard from there is like he never wanted to look back and say he still had something in the tank, but just at the end of the day when it was time for him to hang him up, he just couldn't grind like he used to and that was why he never wanted to say he had something in the tank. And when you can't put everything out there on the field, that creates that kind of just strain in yourself. Calvin Johnson isn't really the story here, although he is still the story at the end of the day, but the story always becomes in our very self-absorbed sports fan culture these days about the fans themselves, and in particular about the fan rage about Calvin Johnson. Even before Calvin Johnson announces retirement, I saw a lot of fans who were just very angry at the very idea that Calvin Johnson could retire. The Lions fans always almost started walking through their stages of grief beforehand and it kind of hit an enraged acceptance. And I saw people saying as they were waiting through his silence that he should just do it right now and go away. Well, the problem was he did go away. And then we found out that he just wasn't paid <laughs> by by the Lions, that he missed out on some bonuses that created some strife. And that is completely acceptable. I don't think anyone listening here would be a, I, I would accept that kind of thing. I certainly wouldn't. I've worked many jobs throughout my life. I've worked some carpentry jobs. I've been stiffed a couple times. And I don't think there's ever been a situation where I can say that ever became a a relationship that got mended. Money creates does weird things to us, especially when in this age, in the in the two, in the 21st century, where everyone is a little desperate. And it seems weird to say that about a few million dollars, but that's just what it is. It's a relationship of scale when it comes to football players. 
But I am more concerned and I'm more fascinated by where the fan rage comes from these days. It's almost overwhelming what happens. I know Jeremy will will bring you in here event soon, but I know you talked on it. I know Ryan has talked on it. And we've seen that as soon as you mention uh, Calvin Johnson's name, there are two immediate reactions. One is go away or two, stop whining about your money. And it seems to be the, re- it's, it is an animus at the end of the day. And it, bring, and it brings me into something I've been thinking about in 2020, what kind of motivates a lot of our culture these days, and it's a demon of inconvenience. Comfortable Americans, which includes sport, most sports fans, are affected by this demon. Our tolerance varies, but at the end of the day, once that demon is triggered, it's an awful, ugly thing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It can range from anything being told that you now need to wear a mask before you go into a grocery store to you maybe being delayed from going to your work by some protesters on a freeway. And it can come from the fact that in in the news, something is just irritating you. A story keeps coming up and it doesn't go away because it just hasn't been resolved. And stories rarely do get resolved. Our minds are set up to accept beginning, middle, end, but that's not how real life works at the end of the day. Stories continue on and on and on and on and on until eventually everyone's dead. That's a grim way to look at it. But in this case with Calvin Johnson... The demon of irritation, the demon of inconvenience comes by the fact that Calvin Johnson is, is being sought out for his words, as he should be. The man is going to be going into the Hall of Fame very soon, but it is impossible when talking to him to not talk about where his relationship is with the Lions. And when Calvin Johnson talks about his relationship with the Lions, it's hard to just say he shouldn't talk about that. But this is also a trope that goes on all the time in sports. Teams screw up on star- with stars all the time. Not every divorce is clean. It might, be, it might be standardized in American sports. I know for me, I watch a lot of Italian soccer. My team I root for is Roma in, in the city of Rome, in Serie A, in Italian soccer, whose god for the longest time was a man named Francesco Totti, who I believe the producer from The Young Pope is making like a mini-series on him. Totti is legendary. There are, I, I would encourage you, I think on SB Nation, Zito, uh, I forget his last name, excuse me, wrote a story about Totti and how his, begin- it, it, sounds, it sounds like a Greek myth, how Totti came to play for, for Roma. But the end of the relationship for Totti has been frosty. He, I believe, has said it several times. He would not come and play and, you know, have a relationship with Todd, uh, with Roma. He ended a 30-year association with them over uh, the owner James Palota for not involving him in decision-making. And now Roma has a new owner. We'll see if they'll, they're able to mend it. But I remember watching Toddy's last game. People were weeping in the Stadio Olimpico. He was taking, you should go watch it on YouTube. Find Toddy's last game as he is marching slowly across the track in one of the most storied places in, in Italy for sport and watching people weep, just watching them weep. And yet even that, that is, that should have been where the story ends, but it continues on. It continues on and the relationship sours because there's something in the background. There's something always behind the scenes. And haven't we seen this this year, Jeremy? We've seen it with, you know, the last dance where suddenly the Bulls, 
their their run with Michael Jordan, all that dirt was laid out on the table. And suddenly we learned to hate new people. We learned to hate the general manager. We learned to have opinions about Jordan, about guys leaving, about Scottie Pippen. And it's the same thing going on here with Calvin Johnson at the end of the day. People want a resolution and there's just not one coming. And when there's not a resolution coming, our mind reacts and we get angry. And I just wonder when it will end for fans to stop being angry about Calvin Johnson. I don't know if ever, to be honest. And it's just going to have to be one of those things. Eventually, time heals all wounds. Time fades them. And then you have something like Barry Sanders, where we romanticize the Lions' relationship with Barry Sanders. And that was from a different time before we had, you know, social media, which could, which, you know, Social media does amplify those negative emotions constantly. It is a great <laughs> concern for a lot of us on what social media does to our psyche. So will it mend for, for Calvin Johnson? I don't know, but I will say this. We're probably in for another Groundhog Day in 2021. That's all I've got. That's my yeah. word. <clears throat> I mean, the thing about... It coming up again this week with that Dave Burkett interview is just like, it's super ridiculous, right? Because people are like, oh, why is he whining again? And it's like, okay, well, clearly you aren't behind the, the free press paywall because if you listen to that interview, all here's here's the entire interaction. Dave Burkett, hey, what's your relationship with the Lions? I would say non-existent. They're doing what they want to do. I'm doing what I want to do. It's fine. That's it. That's not him saying, yeah. oh, my God, I want my million dollars back. Nah, 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 nah. He, I mean, there's none of that. He didn't even mention wanting, his, you know, the, the lines to repay essentially the signing bonus that he repaid to them. He doesn't mention any of that. It's just like, you know what? I'm cool none with it. it. None of it. I'm, they haven't reached out to me. I haven't reached out to them. The end. Like, that's it. Like, there's 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 really no story there. I didn't when I wrote about that story, this, the story I wrote about it was. Calvin Johnson met with Lions receivers because I felt that was something that a lot of Lions fans held against Calvin Johnson because he he went to Miami Dolphins camp. He went to the Oakland Raiders camp and everyone's like, he's helping out these other guys and he can't just mend fences and, and meet with Lions players. Well, guess what? He met with Lions fans. He met with Lions players because as you mentioned, he had a, a relationship with running backs or wide receivers Robert coach, Prince. Robert yeah. Prince. And so he went out, he reached out. He he crossed he crossed the the river of um, dis discontent between the two sides and 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 did something good for the team. Now it's it's not going to make the lines extremely better or anything like that. But he went out and did something, and everything else is just kind of standard in place. And so my whole view on the fans' reaction to all of this is, is it's really really simple. If you disagree with Calvin Johnson asking for his million dollars back or however much it is, that's fine. Like I understand there's a, the lines were it was Bob Quinn's first year. He was doing what he thought was best for the team, saving a little money in cap room, whatever. And if you think he's not entitled to that money because he quit, that's fine. That's your opinion. It's, it's not one I agree with, but I, un, I at least understand it. Now, if you're one of the guys is like, he's a quitter. He was never that good. He didn't try his hardest. He didn't give everything he, he got in Detroit and somehow trying to whitewash his career into saying that he wasn't nearly as good as, as we all give him credit for, that's where you can fuck all the right off, all the way off. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, that's no, you're yeah, wrong. 
the guy was was dragging himself out of bed, barely able to lift his feet off the ground by the time he retired in Detroit, and he put in nine hell of years that we won't ever see again from a Lions wide receiver. So you can just shut up. He's He was fantastic while he was on the field. If you have any issue with what Calvin Johnson did on the field for nine years, this program, then you will never be satisfied. Yeah, I don't want to relitigate how it ended. I think we know by now what the story is with how Calvin Johnson ended. And he even said as much, I even brought it up at the start there, like he just wasn't comfortable not giving 100%. And when your body can't give 100%, there's no other option for you. I just, I find it fascinating that we have, we kind of have this mythologized idea about how a star ends with a team, right? Be it with Toddy, be it with Jeter, be it with Peyton Manning, that this is how you're supposed to go out. You play for a given team. I mean, I know Peyton, it was for the Broncos, but whatever, (laughs) but it's like you, you play, there's a, you, there's a myth mythology on how you're supposed to go out that fans have for, if you are a player for that team, for your career. And that is with grace, with dignity, thanking the fans and then vanishing into obscurity. And Calvin Johnson, because of what happened and because of things that are just, you know, reality is never ideal. It's just not at the end of the day. And that's what we're, that's what we're at. We're at with fans mad that it wasn't the fairy book ending for one reason or another, because they're mad. They felt that Calvin Johnson is somehow directly responsible for the lions, not winning as many games. And that's all fans these days seem to be reacting to is that we want the team to be better and to win games. It's not about the individual players you're a fan of anymore. It is the brand. It, it is. It's the old adage, right? It's the name on the front, not the name on the back. And I think we should give more respect to that name on the back because these are human at the end of the day and human is not perfect. And you need to look at that demon and inconvenience I talk about and you need to smack it off. You have to realize that not everything is going to revolve around you at the end of the day. I'm simplifying it here. But when you get mad that you feel like your own personal enjoyment is being stomped on. You need to you need to take a step back. You need to examine what those other people are feeling in these situations and you need to just maybe laugh it off. <laughs>